Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Are you ready for fall? I pulled out my flannel this morning. Jason pulled out his flannel this morning, plaid. It's kind of feeling like fall, isn't it? We're talking about fall festival. Talking about kids going back to school. Talking about the humidity leaving. It was like seven, six degrees the other night. It's cool in the mornings. The air conditioner is shut off at our house. I kind of like fall. Do you like fall? Sweater weather. Any favorite things about fall you just want to shout out and let us know? It's not winter. It's not winter, yeah. The leaves. The leaves are beautiful. Pumpkin spice lattes. Alex was telling me that he had a cold pumpkin spice latte the other day, and it was pretty good. I don't know if I could do a cold pumpkin spice latte. That's a good little rhyme. I like that. Um, We have church rally next Sunday, and we're going to enjoy cafe after the service, and then we're going to have our children and youth teams in here in the auditorium Uh, for prepping for the year. In our service, we're going to have some commissioning, a time of prayer for the kids and youth teams next Sunday together as a church family. We want to set them off into the ministry season right. Along with that service, we're going to be handing out baptism certificates to five teenagers who were baptized last Sunday as part of that church rally service. That's going to be special. The Sunday after that, we're going to get into our fall teaching series, and we're going to be talking about family. There are no ordinary families. Do you know that? And whatever your family looks like, you can really gain something from this sermon series. I think it has something for everyone. Next Friday, September 15th, we're going to be kicking off Momentum Youth Season with a campfire. It's feeling like fall. Uh, But for right now, we've been talking about two ordinances that Jesus gave to his church. Last week, we discussed four things about baptism, and then we had the privilege of baptizing those five teenagers. And baptisms, did you realize we've done, we've celebrated 15 baptisms this summer? And those 15 baptisms represent 15 personal decisions of faith for Jesus Christ? I I think we can clap for that, don't you? (laughs) Jesus instructs us to baptize as part of our discipleship in the Great Commission. We talked about how baptism is an initial act of faith in Christ. It's an intention to live for Christ. It identifies us with Christ and identifies us with his church. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning, if you would. At the end of the service today, we're going to observe the Lord's table, as you can see the elements up front. So we're going to talk about communion. We're going to talk about the Lord's table as the second ordinance that Jesus gave to his church. Last week, we talked about baptism, and then we got to do baptisms. This week, we're talking about Lord's table, and then we get to observe the Lord's table together as a church family. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to give you four things that Paul points out that as the church, we should know about the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, 
took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Would you join me as we pray this morning? God, we commit ourselves to you this morning our mind, our heart. Would you have our thoughts, God? Help us to understand and discern what your word is teaching us this morning about observing the Lord's table. Jesus, thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your shed blood. Oh, what a savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Jesus, we thank you so much for your precious blood that was shed on the altar of the cross of Calvary. Thank you that you took our place on that tree. Thank you that we have the opportunity now to remember the bread and the juice, the broken body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that secured our freedom and forgiveness and healing. Thank you for these things, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. A good sermon requires a couple things. First and foremost, it requires the truth of God's word. If not for the truth of God's word, we don't have anything to say from this stage. We probably shouldn't bother getting together if not for the truth of God's word and the gospel message that, that it is. Um, but along with that, a good sermon also requires some educated guessing or assumption on the threshold of understanding of our church family on any given topic. When we get to prepare a sermon, we've got to consider what does our church family understand about the Lord's table? And I'm making an assumption this morning that because we observe the Lord's table almost every month, the first Sunday of the month, that you have a basic understanding of the fact that the broken bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And that the juice that is poured out is symbolic of the blood that Jesus poured out on the cross. 
And maybe even you have a basic understanding that Jesus instituted the Lord's table at the Passover meal that he observed with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And that the Passover meal is a reflection on the Passover lamb when God's people were freed from slavery in Egypt. I'm assuming if you're part of our church family and if you've observed the Lord's table with us a number of times, that you've got some of those basic pictures and understanding. What I want to focus on today is the four things that Paul presents here that give four reasons as to why we should observe the Lord's table in Great Village, Nova Scotia, September 2023. That's what I think we would really do well to focus on this morning. Why is the Lord's table something that we still observe on the first Sunday of most every month? I want to give you four things. Number one, we should be observing the Lord's table to remember. 1 Corinthians 11.24, when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Next verse, verse 25. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When Jesus tells us to do something, we would do well to pay attention, would we not? And when he tells us to do something twice, we should probably quiet down lean in, and listen up. Don't you think? This is what makes Lord's table an ordinance, is because Jesus commanded his church to remember his broken body each time we break the bread and to remember his shed blood each time we take the cup. Reminders are important, aren't they? How do you remember things? Do you set an alarm? Do you write it in your calendar? Sticky notes on the mirror, maybe magnet on the fridge. Maybe you have uh, mail that sits on, on your counter and when you open up the envelope, then you use the envelope to write all the things you want to remember and you set it on the counter where you always see it. Maybe the night before you set it by the door so when you're leaving in the morning, you remember to take it. Reminders are important, aren't they? And I have no need to remind you that you tend to forget and need reminders right? You understand that. Psychologists explain that there are three ways in which you can forget information in the short-term memory. Decay, displacement, and interference. Decay occurs when you fail to rehearse the information. Go over it. Repeat it. Displacement occurs when new memories replace old memories. Interference occurs because sometimes it's difficult to remember information if you've been trying to memorize stuff that's similar to what you already know. I'm sorry, I know that there's teens here who are getting ready to go back to school. And the last thing you want to talk about is remembering and memorizing and studying, going over notes. I had a hard time studying in school for those very reasons. I remember teachers saying, you, you got to study. you got to memorize. And I used to think, okay, that's great. How do I do that? What does that look like? Do I draw pictures? Do I, what do I do? And I found for me, repetition worked really well. Either writing it out over and over and over, 
or saying it over and over and over. And I still use those techniques for sermons today to help lock in the information. The information was often then displaced out of my mind when the next test came that I had to study for. I'm done with this test so I can forget that information. Now I got to focus on this test. I got to make room in my memory bank for all the information for this next test. And then when you're in school, you have all these different courses, right? So at the same time, you're studying terms and names for geography. You're studying spelling words and vocabulary definitions for English. And you're studying terms and definitions for science. And sometimes there can be some similarities and it's hard to keep it all separated in your mind bank, isn't it? Maybe some of you folks have a mind palace like Sherlock Holmes where you go in each room, there's a specific place where you can put your information and then you can walk back through the halls of your memory bank and remember where you place that memory. That's actually a technique that people use. I have never tried it. But all the best in school this year, guys. Study hard, memorize. When it comes to communion, to the Lord's table, it is the practice whereby we rehearse the most important truth that we will ever know. There is no greater memory that could take the place of the reminder that Jesus broke his body and shed his blood for you and for me. And what could interfere? What, what is similar in any regard to that truth that could take its place in our mind? How could we forget? Jesus gave us the Lord's table at the Last Supper with his disciples so that by this practice, we could remember Jesus' sacrifice in our place. And the elements themselves are two individual reminders, aren't they? You have the bread, which represents Jesus' broken body, and you have the juice that represents his shed blood. And notice how they, they involve all of the senses. You can see it as it's being passed out. You can hear the story as the person is explaining what communion is and reading the scriptures. You can feel that bread within your fingers. I remember back in the day, some dear soul in the church used to cut the bread into these little cubes. I don't know how they did it. I'm sure it took a lot of time. Uh, we use something different these days, but I remember as a kid getting that little piece of white bread and I would squish it between my fingers into the tightest little cube that I could. I can still remember that feeling, the way that it felt, and then the way that it felt as I bit into it. And then you taste it, right? And you smell it. It, it involves all of the senses. When we were in Bangor a few weeks back, uh, we wanted to eat at Texas Roadhouse. Anybody like Texas Roadhouse? Any Texas Roadhouse fans? Anybody not ever been to Texas Roadhouse or ever heard of it? Oh, no. If you're in Bangor, you got to go to Stillwater Place Avenue, whatever that's called, the main drag shopping district there, and you got to check out Texas Roadhouse. It was closed when we were there, so we didn't actually get to eat there. But I remember everything about that place. I remember where you walk in. I remember the smell of the peanuts on the floor because they give you complimentary peanuts when you walk in the door. They have a big sign on the door that says, Peanut allergies, stay out. And then you can walk by where all of the steaks are and you can pick your steak that you want to have cooked. 
And then you can take your booth with your bucket of peanuts. And then as the waiter or waitress sets you to your booth, they give you this bowl of warm golden brown buns, rolls. And then along with those rolls, they give you this cinnamon spread. And I know this isn't a roll. I know it's a croissant. We didn't have any fresh rolls at our house, so I hope you can forgive me. Along with the rolls, they give you, and the rolls are complimentary, by the way. You can just keep asking for more and for more and for more. And they give you this cinnamon spread that goes with it. Oh, man. And they're golden brown and they're warm. And you put the cinnamon spread on it. And then the cinnamon spread melts over the top because the buns are so warm, fresh out of the oven. And then you can just taste it. Mmm. Let it just go around the palate. You can taste it, can't you? Can't you experience it? It's tactile, it's visual, it, it simulates all of the senses. Your mouth probably is watering because there's some sort of science going on in your body that it's just an experience, isn't it? You gotta make it to Texas Roadhouse. The bread and the cup. It's just so good. I should have brought a glass of water up here. The bread and the cup. I really should have brought a glass of water. I saw Anne going, thank you. Anne's going to grab me a glass of water. Thanks. The bread and the cup of the Lord's table are a picture to remember, to, to experience, to cause you to remember. I don't know. Maybe it's for you. For you, it's grandma's apple pie comes out of the oven, you walk into the house, maybe it's not as dry as this croissant. <laughs> you can smell it, you can taste it, you know exactly the texture of those apples that your grandmother cuts right to the right size and specification, the right amount of cinnamon or nutmeg on top, maybe cloves in there. You can experience it, right? That's what the Lord's table is like. And my second point here, after I get a drink of water, thank you so much, Anne. I appreciate it. I should have thought of that. I'll have to make a note to remember next time. <laughs> Number two, we need to participate in the Lord's table to proclaim. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. They say pictures speak a thousand words, don't they? Like you can almost see what the Mona Lisa is thinking behind that little half smirk, can't you? This is so very similar to baptism in that the picture communicates the message. Every time we participate in the Lord's table, we are proclaiming, we are preaching the truth of the gospel that Jesus broke his body and shed his blood to give forgiveness, offer forgiveness to sinners by faith. Communion, communion is a tool by which we proclaim the good news of Jesus, not only to ourselves, but to all those around us, all those that we are participating with. When we take the bread, when we take the juice, we are testifying to one another the truth that we believe about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It's like that social media trend where they say, tell me without telling me. You know what we're talking about? Like, show it 
without using your words. Tell me you're a Christian without actually telling me you're a Christian. Well, communion is one way that we do that. The Lord's table shows the world the truth that we believe. When we participate in the Lord's table, we are saying, it's Jesus' broken body for me. It's Jesus' shed blood that paid for my sins. As part of our practice of the Lord's table, we try to communicate that participating in the Lord's table is for those who have made a personal decision of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their, of their sins. And then we also say that if you have not made that personal decision of faith in Jesus Christ, then we want you to stay, we want you to observe, and then just simply pass the elements by. We're not going to say, if you're not a Christian, then you need to leave. In fact, if you're not a Christian, this is exactly where you need to be. This is exactly what you need to see. This is exactly what you need to hear. This is a pointed explanation, including all the senses, of what Jesus has done for you. This is the message that we preach. It's a picture of the gospel. And as those of us who have responded to the gospel, it is our privilege and our right to proclaim the gospel through the picture of the Lord's table. So we reserve it for folks who've made a personal decision of faith for Jesus Christ to participate in. I know we talk about the good news of Jesus a lot, and that should never stop. It should be a part of every Sunday's gathering. But baptism and the Lord's table are so hyper-focused and beautifully illustrate the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's lives. You cannot get a more pointed picture of the gospel than when you taste the bread and you taste the juice that represents the broken body and the shed blood. Then when you stand on the riverbank and you witness those teenagers standing up in faith for Jesus Christ and being baptized in front of their family, their friends, their church family, it is a hyper-focused picture of the gospel at work in people's lives personally. Thirdly, we should observe the Lord's table in order to examine in order to examine ourselves. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Has anyone asked you recently, how's your faith? How's your relationship with Jesus going? I think to our shame, most of us have to admit, no. That's not a, that's not a typical greeting that we have, even between Christians. How rare is it for somebody to greet you and say, how's your relationship with Jesus these days? You know, usually we say, how's your spouse doing? How are the kids? How's your job going? How was summer? Do you have plans for the fall? That's what we talk about, isn't it? And it's pretty rare for us to say, 
How's your relationship with Jesus? To our shame, I think that's true of probably most of us, and we would do well to practice that a little more. In a relationship, we need to check in with each other. We need to communicate, don't we? I learned this lesson so early on, but yet I keep making the same mistake. After Elsie and I were married, I would do this thing. Typically on Sundays, as a pastor, you make a lot of plans. Like, hey, we should get together. Okay, let's put it in the calendar. What are you doing on this day? Great, let's pencil it in. And then on the drive home, I would just briefly mention, no, usually it went like this. Days would go by, and then it would be the evening of my coffee appointment with so-and-so that I made on Sunday, and Elsie would mention something going on that night, and I would say, oh, sorry, I can't. I have to meet with so-and-so. <laughs> I realized pretty quick that I needed to communicate early on my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my schedule with my spouse who's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, right? You get what I'm saying? So Elsie and I, every Sunday evening, I say every, but we're not that consistent. It doesn't happen every week. It should, it doesn't, uh, you know, life happens, we forget, we need to set more reminders, I guess. But I have it written in my calendar as Elsie check in. And on Sunday evenings, we put the kids to bed, we talk about how the week went, we talk about our calendar and our plans and events coming up for the following week, we clarify some things. It's usually really like um, detail, you know, just pull out the calendar, pull out the phone and that sort of thing. Not necessarily like romantic in that sense, but just going over those details of what's going on really helps to bring us together. And when I miss that, guess what happens through the course of the week? <laughs> Derails, yep, for sure. To have that check-in, to have that connection, to have that check-up. I guess you could say. Communion or Lord's table is a monthly check-in or however often that it gets observed and check-up for our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, here's some soteriology for you, the theology of salvation. Our salvation is not by works. It's by grace through faith. So it's not like Jesus sticks with us as long as our behavior is so good, right? And the checkup, he's saying, hey, you better pick things up here, otherwise, no, he's not saying that at all. In fact, our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we place our faith and trust in him for the forgiveness of our, of our sins, it's one that never ends. It's eternally secure. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No man can pluck us out of his hand. We're engraved on the palm of his hands. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not something that can change our relationship with Jesus. But our fellowship with Jesus can really be affected by the way that we choose to live our lives, whether we choose to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus. Jesus commands us, look, daily... Take up your cross and follow me. Every day, moment by moment, we have a choice. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to practice the baptism, the salvation that I claimed, the one that I claimed allegiance to? Am I actually going to choose to follow him in this decision? Or am I going to take a step back and am I going to hold on to the lies of this world or the agreements that I've made, that Jesus has already broken and set me free from, am I going to make the choice to not follow Jesus in these decisions? And 
Lord's table is an opportunity to examine our hearts and say, have we been following Jesus the way that we ought? Have we been working out our salvation on a daily basis? Am I more like Jesus this month than I was last month? How have I been treating people? What are the truths that I have been believing or have I been taking hold of a lie? Lord's table is an opportunity to do some self-examination of where we're at in our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why we need to have a consistent check-in with Jesus. A time to examine our thoughts and actions. Does our heart line up with his heart? Because we're prone to wander, prone to forget. Is there sin to be confessed? Are there old habits that have crept in? Are there people that we've hurt? Paul had to write these things to get after the Corinthian church because they were not coming to the Lord's table with their hearts prepared. They were treating it like a buffet. They were allowing sin and wickedness to go unconfessed and not dealt with as they sat down together to observe the Lord's table. Which is so ironic and hypocritical, isn't it? If we're harboring sin, but yet putting our focus on Jesus' payment for that sin. How, how can we embrace Jesus' payment for sin and still hold on to sin? Doesn't that go against what we say we believe and what we proclaim when we observe the Lord's table? So Paul says, take a moment, examine yourself. See that sin is dealt with and confessed. Here's the final point. We need to observe the Lord's table in order to unify 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Have you heard the Beatles song, Come Together? Isn't that a good one? Come together. Jesus said to the disciples at the Last Supper, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Lord's table was instituted for the church to observe together. Now, I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with remembering Jesus' broken body and shed blood before you eat in private in your home at your dining room table. In fact, I think when we pray before a meal, say grace before a meal, we should probably be cognizant of the fact that Jesus broke his body and shed his blood for us. And we should express thanks. It doesn't need to be just at Lord's table. But we are to observe Lord's table together as a church family. It was given as an ordinance for the church to practice when we are gathered together. Why wait for one another? Well, it's so that we can do this together. This was one of Paul's complaints. You're not unified in observing the Lord's table. One person stuffs his face, another person goes away hungry. One person drinks and gets drunk. When the other person shows up, there's nothing left for them to drink. You ever sat down with supper at the family? (laughs) Ever sat down with the family at supper? You shouldn't eat your family. (laughs) But you're not really sitting with your family. I mean, you're at the same table, but you're not really there. I struggle with this. Our, our dining room doors go right out to the backyard. And from where I sit, 
I can see the greenhouse, I can see the woods, I can see the sandbox, I can see the toys that were left out, I can see the lawn that needs to be cut. I can see everything in the world from that window. And it's so easy to be focused out there and not be focused with my family. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe, maybe the kids have cell phones at the table. Maybe you're not at the table. Maybe you're in front of the TV. Maybe the conversation isn't together. Maybe, maybe you're not actually eating together. You're just at the same table enjoying the same food in the same room, but you're not actually unified in conversation and spirit. Do you ever have meals like that? The Lord's table should be different. As we participate together, as we remember together, as we proclaim the gospel together, as we examine ourselves together, the Lord's table should unite us together. Peter Adam is a contributor to the Gospel Coalition and he's from Australia. He writes this, sharing in baptism and the Lord's Supper is basic to Christian obedience. We share in these sacraments because of the command of Christ. They are not private rites, but corporate actions of the body of Christ. A grab-and-run approach is wrong. Sharing in them means belonging to a church. So this shouldn't be like a takeaway meal. It shouldn't be takeout. It shouldn't be delivery. It should be dine-in together with one another. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are reconciled together through the cross of Christ. And that's what Lord's table symbolizes. Our unity is in the sacrifice of the Son of God. We come together under the name of Jesus who gave his body and shed his blood in our place on the cross. Participating in the Lord's table identifies us with Jesus' sacrifice and in turn it identifies us with Jesus' church, his body. Participating in the Lord's table is the same for you as it is for me, as it is for the person sitting next to you. Whatever gender, marital status, experience, age, race that you are, the Lord's table levels us as sinners in need of a savior. As people who have a debt of sin in need of a payment for that sin. It unifies us in light of our sinful state and Jesus' perfect sacrifice in our place. That's why we can be unified in the Lord's table. This is why it can be referred to as communion because we are in community with Christ as we're in community together as the body of Christ. So we're going to observe the Lord's table. As we close, I'm going to ask Sean to come and the team who are distributing the elements. I'm going to ask Andy if he would come at this time. He's going to provide some music. And we're going to go straight into distributing the elements. We've been talking about Lord's Table. As you take hold of those elements, I just want you to take some time and think about the fact that Jesus has given his body, given his blood, so that you can take hold of that atoning price. So you can take hold of forgiveness, of healing. You can take hold of new purpose for your life. 
Let's take some time to examine our hearts as the elements are distributed to see if our heart lines up with God's heart. Thank you, Sean. So why don't we take some time to consider now as the elements are being distributed. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
verse 25 says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you for living a sinless, spotless, perfect life. Thank you for stepping into our world and living a human life, experiencing all that we experience, tempted at all points and yet without sin. Jesus, thank you for being willing to give your life. so that we could have life. So that we could have abundant life, everlasting life. Jesus, thank you that we can have real life because you gave yours. Father, thank you for giving your son Thank you that it's because of the altar of the cross of Calvary that we can come to the altar. And that line gets me every time. The Father's arms are open wide. Thank you, God, that you receive us just as we are. Not because we've gotten our lives cleaned up, but because of the blood of the Son of God cleansing us from all sin, clothing us in righteousness. And the banner that now covers us is love. God, thank you for adopting us and giving us the right to be called the children of God, sons and daughters of God, because you were willing to give your son. He was willing to lay down his life. And the Holy Spirit brought us that gift of faith and convicted us to the point of confessing our own sins realizing that Jesus, you carried our sin to the cross. Those were our nails. That was our crown of thorns. This should be our blood. It should be our broken body. But Jesus, you took our place. God, we thank you 
you are great and good, holy, marvelous, magnificent, awesome, all-powerful. You know our every need before we even speak it, Father. But you still long to hear from us, to be with us. God, thank you that you made a way for us through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. God, we don't want to rush from this place. And we certainly don't want this truth to leave our minds and our hearts as we go through the course of this week. Would Lord's table serve as a reminder to be living our lives, every minute, every ounce of energy, to live it for you. God, help us to be all about proclaiming your truth, the truth of the gospel, the good news. Thank you for this time of examining our hearts before you. God, I thank you for my church family and for the unity that we experience together because of the cross of Christ. May that always be the first truth on our lips anytime we get a chance to be together and to gather as the church family. Would it be all about what Jesus has accomplished for us? God, we want to thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church family.